Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. So today we uh, have a uh, guest speaker. Uh, Joshua Herbert is a uh, marriage and family therapist, and Joshua and I go back uh, about a decade. Um, and the reason I asked Joshua to speak is uh, Joshua likes to talk on, I don't know if he likes, they like to talk on, but they do talk on uh, spiritual trauma. And spiritual trauma, I posted this uh, a couple days ago. I always, like, excuse myself from spiritual trauma because I'm in the business of church, right? I'm a professional. I don't know if you know that. Uh, and uh, I just always like, well, that doesn't happen to me. I don't experience uh, spiritual trauma. Um, and working with Joshua um, really helped me not just give language but be able to see um, a lot of the trauma that I experienced and I just always stuffed down. Um, and in light of uh, what is happening um, in the vineyard, uh, I thought it would be good to have someone come and speak on, I mean, not just what's happening in the video, but it's just happened in our lives. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's something that we don't talk about enough, not just trauma, but especially when it comes to church or spiritual trauma. And in my journey, I've talked to um, a lot of people who have experienced trauma, either when they were in, like, purity culture and youth group or in, um, uh, as they were leading or serving in church or just having a really toxic culture. And so... Um, Joshua, I'm going to welcome up Joshua right now. Joshua is going to be uh, sharing, and I'm really excited. At the end, uh, Joshua is going to be doing a um, question and answer time. And so if you have a question and um, everything is, everything's on the table, right? Joshua is a professional, all right? Uh, and anything that they f- feel like is like n- not welcome to an answer, I imagine that they will tell you that. So, uh, but if you have a question, I would love to have you at the end. We'll do the old, like, kindergarten raise your hand and ask a question. But please give a round of applause for Joshua. Thank you. So, <clears throat> I'm not a public speaker, so I'm more used to one or two at a time, but it's really nice to see people I recognize. Hello. Uh, Steve and I used to be in a band called the Blasphemists, <laughs> so you can you can ask him about that sometime. Um, as Chris said, I am a marriage and family therapist. I work in private practice in Duluth, and um, the topic of spiritual trauma has been something that has been a focus of my work even when I was in grad school, and that's because if you grow up in a spiritual community you're probably going to experience spiritual trauma. And so I imagine that some of the things that I'm going to talk about today might stir up some feelings in your body. And in fact, at some point in our talk, I'm going to tell you about what's happening in my body right now because it might be an experience that's familiar to you. I'm not going to talk for very long. I'm actually really looking forward to the question and answer time because I want to really be able to support you all in what's just actually happening for you. I'm just going to talk a little bit about what is trauma, and then what is spiritual trauma specifically, and then 
Now, what can we do about it? How do we, how do we respond when we notice that this is happening? So, just to get started, trauma is a word that is used a lot these days. You know, people say, oh, I'm so triggered right now. And oftentimes when they say that, I don't really think they're talking about trauma. I think they're just talking about something was a little bit upsetting or maybe even very upsetting. Um, but when we're talking about particularly emotional trauma, uh, we're referring to something that's a, a little bit more specific. So trauma is an event or a series of events that are emotionally disturbing or life-threatening. And the, the big difference is that they result in lasting adverse effects on a person's ability to function and on that person's emotional, physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. So let's just talk about you know, how do you know? What, what would be some of the signs that maybe you've experienced some trauma? Distressing memories, um, maybe nightmares, maybe nightmares about what happened, or maybe just scary dreams where you have similar feelings. Uh, mental or physical distress in response to reminders of traumatic events. And that's a little bit of what's happening for me right now. Um, finding that you're avoiding memories or maybe avoiding certain uh, symbols or just anything that might really bring to mind what happened. And sometimes children will reenact trauma in their play. So they'll just, they'll just start playing and, and they'll be playing this very uh, disturbing or traumatic experience. That's because it's in their body. So right now, I'm shaking. And it's not just because I'm scared of public speaking. It's because of trauma. Walking up to the building, I started to diso dissociate a little bit. So that's a word that when we're talking about PTSD specifically, there's almost always some element of dissociation, which either means I become not real or the world becomes not real. And one thing I really want you to hear about trauma is actually when, our, when we're feeling those symptoms, that's actually a really good thing. So that's our body saying, help. Something really hurts here. Something needs care and attention. So if you're having distressing memories, if you're having these really distressing physical symptoms, that's actually really good. That's, that's your body working the way it's supposed to, to indicate to you that, hey, can you come alongside what's happening in your body and help the body do what it knows what to do to heal, which is actually a pretty amazing feature of being a human being. It's a, it's a feature, not a bug, as I like to say. Some other things are sometimes it can be hard to remember specific events or specific parts of the traumatic events. And a lot of people feel really guilty about that, you know? hey, this bad thing happened to me or these series of bad things happened to me, shouldn't I be able to remember them really clearly? And oftentimes we don't. And that's another way our body is protecting us. Um, a big one is negative beliefs about yourself. So most people blame themselves on some level when something really terrible has happened to us. Um, or negative beliefs about other people or about the world. You know, the world is just not a safe place or about a higher power. You know, maybe I can't trust God or whatever your higher power is. 
uh, uncomfortable feelings that you just can't shake. Like you just feel afraid a lot of the time, or you feel angry a lot of the time, or guilty, or ashamed, and it just seems out of proportion with whatever's happening in your life. You know, like, why would I be scared to be in this room with people who seem friendly? You know, no one's scowling at me or anything. And I know some of you, so why am I scared? That's because of trauma. Not wanting to do things that are really important to you or, or used to be really enjoyable to you. You just don't want to do them anymore. Feeling detached from others, the, the sense that you're just alone in this pain. And sometimes it's hard to feel any positive emotions at all. It's just either flat or some sort of uncomfortable feeling. Um, irritability, angry outbursts, reckless behavior, trouble concentrating, and then trouble sleeping. That's a really common one. So if you just have, you know, if you're experiencing one or two of those things, that's just normal. You know, these are all, again, these are just really actually good ways our body is trying to tell us, pay attention to something. But if a number of those things that I just talked about are happening to you on a pretty regular basis, well, that's a good indicator that you've experienced some trauma. Okay, so how is spiritual trauma unique? Well, spiritual trauma are events that impact how we see ourself in terms of our core spiritual values and our very experience of ourselves as spiritual beings. And this can happen in a wide variety of ways. Um, and so I like to think of it as sort of a, um, I like a stack. So it can happen on the level of ourself. Yeah, we can do that to ourselves on some level. It can happen in relationships. It can happen in the home. It can happen in spiritual communities, which is usually what comes to mind for people, or in culture. And it can even happen on a societal level and a global level. Our sense of ourselves as spiritual beings and who we are in terms of our spiritual values can be impacted. So the most common ways that it happens are abuse by spiritual leaders and parenting choices based on a toxic or overbearing interpretation of spiritual beliefs. Uh, religious education that shames people for the natural functioning of their body. Chris, you mentioned purity culture. That often comes to mind for me. But, you know, anything, any natural function of the body, often there is abuse related to that. Oppressive manipulation to behave a certain way or not behave a certain way. Bullying, manipulating, acceptance via performance, spiritual neglect. So what I mean by that is acts of omission from church leadership. So endorsing heteronormative sex, but never addressing something like rape when statistically we know that one in three people in any given group has experienced sexual assault. And in the 34 years that I was in spiritual communities, not once did I hear the word rape from the pulpit. 
dissonance between one's inner and outer world. So for me, I'm attracted to people. It doesn't really matter what gender they are. And I was always told that that's wrong. So that's a dissonance between what's happening inside me and what's happening outside of me. In terms of spiritual trauma, how that feels, it's really common to feel the fear sense that comes with abandonment. The fear and anger feelings associated with loss of trust. So there's loss of trust in people. There's loss of trust in the communities that used to be an integral part of our support systems. The higher power themselves and in ourselves for trusting those communities. Okay, so, you know, that's painful stuff, right? And remember I said that when we're feeling these things, it's actually a good thing. And I know that's really kind of strange to hear because it's so uncomfortable and painful, right? It's, it impairs our ability to function, to show up how we want in the world. But it actually is good because it's our body saying, hey, there's something here that needs your care and attention. And we really can give ourselves and bring into our lives the support to give our bodies that care and attention. So then the first thing that you need to do is you need to stop blaming yourself. Whatever it was that happened to you, it wasn't your fault. It doesn't matter what it was. It wasn't your fault. Surround yourself with people who will be able to hear your story and not respond to you with shame or judgment. And, and do share your stories. Get it out. Share your stories in a safe space. Cry together. When you feel afraid, feel afraid. Express it. When you're angry, be angry. Express it. Grieve together. There's loss involved with this. Lastly, I just want to say, if you are experiencing you know, several of these symptoms that I mentioned, please seek help from a trauma-informed mental health professional. That's really important. Uh, a therapist who's informed about religious trauma should be able to help you examine those false beliefs that you probably have about yourself because this happened to you. And a trauma-informed therapist um, will help you to wrestle with those existential questions. And then maybe most importantly, will help you to begin a process of being able to feel safe in your body again. So the last thing I just want to say is, um, if you've never heard this, I want to make sure that you hear it from me today that this wasn't your fault and you deserve to feel safe in your body and your goodness has never been in question. So with that, I want to open it up. Really, there is no limit. I'm not a shy person, so you can ask me anything you want. And then I'll just repeat your question. So if anyone has any questions, fire away.
Thanks, Dietrich. So the question is, were there some key moments for me in my process of healing? And uh, was it because of the training? No, I would say I went to get the training that I got because of the pain that I experienced. So, uh, Chris, you mentioned that this place has been here for seven or eight years. I'm sure it's been at least seven or eight years since I've been in a gathering like this where people were singing songs together and drinking coffee and doing some of the things that are so familiar to me and pr produce this threat response. So a key turning point for me was when I learned how to be angry about it in a way that didn't hurt the people around me. Because what was happening to me is my anger was just bursting out and it was just hurting people that I loved. And so I had to identify that something had happened to me and had happened to me actually numerous times over the course of my life. And I had to notice that part of how that was impacting me was it was pushing me to behave in ways that were hurting other people. And so that was one of the main things that indicated to me, oh, okay, I have to, I have to do something about this. Um, and then another turning point for me was um, when I was trained as a, a sexual assault survivor advocate. And in that process, um, I came to terms with some of my own early childhood trauma. And through that, I began to experience healing. And then I was able to sort of connect the dots that, all right, this stuff lives in my body. And yeah, some stuff happened to me when I was a kid. And then there was all this other stuff that just kept happening to me throughout the rest of my life. And, and then I just you know, made that a focus of my work and learning how to understand this stuff. Great question. What types of spiritual ideas could be traumatic? I would say that um, ideas probably wouldn't be traumatic. But when those ideas or when, those, when that dogma is used to manipulate people, then it's traumatic. So even if the idea itself is really great, if it is used as an excuse for an abuse of power, then inevitably it's going to hurt people. Um, some of those ideas would be that uh, the natural, as I mentioned, the natural functioning of your body is somehow wrong or sinful. Um, that you should uh, try to see the world in a way that you just can't. You should try to see the world in a way that you just can't. Um, if ideas are used to control people, then trauma is the result. And this doesn't just happen in spiritual communities, but in spiritual communities, we tend to have leaders who are charismatic, and this really pulls on the desire that people have to belong, right? That's just human. We wanna belong. We wanna belong to each other. We wanna belong to a purpose. We want to belong to a community. And that, in some ways, it makes us vulnerable, even though that idea is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with wanting to belong. That's a really good thing. Um, but it does make us vulnerable. So that's what I think of. 
great question. Uh, great question. Did I give up going to church because of trauma? I didn't know that it was trauma when I left the church. I just knew I didn't want to go anymore um, because I was sad and angry all the time. Um, so I just started going less and less. And, and then at some point I just realized um, I don't belong here because I want to ask questions that I'm not allowed to ask. I want to wear skirts. <laughs> I'm not just attracted to women. And I can't, I can't even ask those questions here because if I do, suddenly that's a threat and, and now I'm scared. And um, I, I didn't have language for this at the time. I just knew it was too much to bear. I just knew I couldn't bear it anymore. Um, so it was actually terrifying to leave the church. And I still believed in a literal hell when I left the church. And my children were small. So one of the fears I had was, am I going to be the reason my kids go to hell? So there's an idea that can be potentially traumatizing, right? So it was terrifying for me to leave, but I had to. Thank you for the question. Yeah, great question. So um, if I heard you right, the question is, how can, these, how can spiritual trauma or these events lead to self-destruction? So not just lashing out at others, but self-destruction. Yeah. Um, well, it's about how we tend to blame ourselves when bad things happen. So I'll pull in a story from, uh, from Buddhist teaching, which is two arrows. So some of you might be familiar with it. The pain is this inevitable thing that happens in our life, right? So that's just the first arrow. You get hit. But then what do we do? We start firing arrow after arrow in. Why was I standing there? Why didn't I move out of the way? How come I didn't see this coming? You know, why am I so stupid to be standing here when all these arrows are flying around? But we've got an arrow wound, and it's not being cared for. And so it's that piece about blaming ourselves for what happens that results in the self-destruction. Thanks for the question. Yeah. I love that question. Um, should we do a little bit right now? Would that be okay? Okay, so um, I want to just invite you to put both feet on the floor. There's nothing, there's nothing supernatural about what we're going to do here. When I work with people who have experienced spiritual trauma, I always want to reassure them there's no magic. There's no unseen force here at work. Your body actually is really wise. And so first, I want you to just notice your feet on the floor. And I want you to just feel the seat under you. 
and I want you to just notice what's happening in your belly and your chest. For me right now, there's a shaking, there's a tenseness, and you'll notice I'm starting to rock back and forth. So I'm just feeling my weight on the ground. And then I don't want you to try to change your breath, but just notice it. And so just notice your feet on the floor. Notice the chair under you. Notice your breath. And let yourself feel whatever is here. If you're afraid like I am, don't try to not be afraid. You're just going to make your body get louder to try to get your attention. Remember, this feeling is here to help you. So just let yourself feel it and feel your feet on the floor. Feel the seat under you and feel your breath. And then notice if it shifts at all. Notice if your body soothes even a little bit. And that's important too. You know, noticing those subtle changes that, oh, okay, actually, if I let myself experience what's happening in this moment, and if I breathe, and if I just allow it to be here, actually, my body pretty much knows what to do. That's pretty cool, huh? Thanks for the question. Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question, and I'll, I'll admit I haven't really thought a lot about that. No, that's, that's fine. Uh, you've just prompted me, and I'll think more about it. But what comes to mind is, is what I do know is that neurodivergence does make us more vulnerable to all kinds of trauma, um, because um, those of us who are neurodivergent, we just seem different in some way, and so there's an attention that comes with that. And then there is a vulnerability to abuse, because some forms of neurodivergence actually do make it so it's easier to suggest behavior or to manipulate or control. Um, and then the other piece that came to mind right away with your question is that people who are neurodivergent get a lot of weird looks. You know, like we do things that are not normal, and so people are always like, what's going on? And the what we know about that is that the accumulation of that over, over a life can actually make someone really sensitive to that. And so then they carry with them this sense that I'm bad or I'm wrong or I just can't get it right. And that's, that's really what spiritual trauma is. Right? It's a trauma that impacts our sense of ourselves in the world. And so even just on that basic level, even if it's not a part of some religious community, just that impact of those dirty looks that uh, neurodivergent people get all the time, that can have that impact. And I'm just, you know, this is just off the top of my head, but.
That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, so should we stay away from the stuff that is giving us those danger signals or should we try to go there? Um, uh, yes. Yes is the answer to that. <laughs> you need to trust your body. So I feel really good about the fact that I didn't go to church for a long time. That's okay. You know, It, was, it would not have been better for me to try to force that. I would have just probably yelled at somebody because you know, I was really scared. Um, and it's good for me to be here today. This actually is in line with who I am. Right? Being here with you today, I get to express to you my true self. So this really is something that can help to repair my own spiritual trauma. So it would be wrong of me to tell you, yeah, go desensitize yourself to something that's traumatic. Um, so for example, I had a client who was really afraid to use the elevator. And so what we did is we would just go push the button, right? So we can do things to desensitize ourselves to these danger signals, and that can be helpful. But you get to decide. You get to decide. You get to decide, is this something I want to do? If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. That's okay. But if there's some pull of, hey, you know, I do want to bring this back into my life. Or there is some experience here that I, that I want to have again or that's still important to me. Yeah, that's okay too. And I would say you know, get as much support as you can. You know, if the thing for you is going to a church, that's just as an example, you know, bring a friend. Tell someone about how scary it is. Right? This gets back to that core thing of telling your story is really important. And telling your story to people who won't judge you and won't shame you, who can grieve with you, that's actually wonderful. And so there is no, there's no cut and dried answer there in terms of what is right or wrong. But I trust your body, and so I hope you do too. You can listen to that. Great question. So are you asking, okay, there's two different ways I can answer that, so I'm going to answer them both, okay? So the first one is, how do we relate internally to someone who has abused us? Um, I'm just going to assume, in fact, I'm not going to assume, I'm going to say, if you're currently experiencing spiritual abuse or any form of abuse, it's actually really good for you to get out of that situation. You don't need to keep experiencing that, okay? And I know that's easier said than done sometimes. It's not always possible to do that immediately, but it's okay for you to do that. So if you're being harmed in some community or in some relationship, you can leave. You don't have to be there. Um, and so then it's about, well, how do I think about that person? And should I forgive them? Is there something I should do or am meant to do that will serve my own healing. Um, I think really 
it's important that we are very, very honest about the impact that that has had on us, and there's never any reason to soften that. This is what happened. This is how it impacted me. Forgiveness doesn't mean you stop being angry. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you invite abuse back into your life. Forgiveness just means that I can see how that impacted me, and I am going to allow the healing to happen. Because when we, it almost always is about self-blame. There's that self-blame piece again. So, yeah, I, I, I caused this to happen in some way. So that actually prevents me from experiencing forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgiveness doesn't mean that the behavior was okay. Forgiveness doesn't mean you actually have to communicate with that person. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. It's more just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just let this, I'm just going to let this be over here. And I'm going to take care of how this has impacted me. And then the other question that I could hear in that is, you know, what about what, about what I did? So I was in leadership roles. I was in positions where I had some authority or had some power, you know, to use the term. And when I think about some ways that I communicated, particularly towards women, particularly towards people of color, particularly towards people who are queer, I feel guilt, I feel shame. And so how do I forgive myself for being a part of those systems that ended up hurting people? It's really important that you really take a good look at how much power did you really have? Because when you were there, you really believed that what you were doing was good. And so you have to be able to hold the discomfort of, yeah, what I did or said, it actually did cause harm. That's true. And how much power did I really have to be able to do something different based on the people that were in power over me, based on what I believed, based on what I knew? And so it's important to just be able to hold all of that, that, yeah, the ways I behaved actually did cause harm. And maybe I didn't have as much power as I think I did. Did you have a question? Yeah, so I think your question is there some way that it could have been stopped earlier, right? So that gets back to that piece of do we really have as much power as we think we do? And so if we're really on how it works, we are actually good as human beings. And so the fact that these things happen to us 
doesn't mean that we're not good. It doesn't mean that, um, oh, I should have done something, or even in many cases that I could have done something. So I just want to repeat your question so people can hear it. What could people have done? There are people around, right? And, and in some ways I was expressing distress. In some ways we do express, express distress. So what could people have done? Again, I think that if we are in a fishbowl, then all we can And so... Bowl. And there were many times when people were saying to me, ouch, this doesn't feel good. Um, how I answered of as much power as we think we do. There is, this, there is an aspect of this that it's important that and have stepped out of abusive community. about who they, it's all okay. Um, what can really support you in that grief is, again, being able to share that with someone who's going to be able to just be there with you and feel that feeling with you. So if you feel angry, yeah, wow, I can feel that too, that that happened to you, right? Or in terms of losing a relationship, oh, wow, that relationship was so important to you. And now it's not there. It's gone. Or it's changed. And it's not going to be the same. Oh, yeah, that's a loss. And so however you feel it, you need to feel it. And let yourself feel it. Does that answer your question, Aspen? Thank you. Oh, th another one of my children asking a good question. <laughs> um, I would say if you are experiencing several of those symptoms that I mentioned, I would suggest you seek help from a professional. Um, if, you, if you're asking that question, you know, do I need help from a professional? Then probably you do. And, and I just wanna really push back on the stigma that's there for, you know, it's just alive in our culture, that that means something about you. And what I want to bring it back to is what I've said a couple times, and that's that those distressing symptoms are actually good. They don't mean something bad about you. They mean that your body is working the way it's supposed to. It's actually a good thing about you, that your body can say, oh, this is dangerous. 
right? Because that's very protective. That helps to prevent further harm from happening. And so if you're experiencing that, that's actually really good that your body can tell you that. And so reach out to a professional. And when you have that support, then I would say the next thing to add would be um, being able to tell your story in a, in a safe and non-judgmental space. I would say those two things. Thank you, Silas. the sadness in your voice as you ask that question when there's a relationship that is ongoing let's say with a family member right and you don't want to necessarily cut that person out of your life because you love them you care about them you care about that relationship and yet there's there are out there are ways that they're interacting with you that continue to hurt you and so what can we do to try to feel safe in those relationships? Did I get your question right? It's a really good question. Um, and there's not a really good answer. There might not be a way to avoid the pain of that situation. There might not be a way to avoid the pain of loss. Because what you can't do is you can't change them. You're not going to be able to do that, right? Just like they can't change you, thankfully. And so there really might be some pain that you can't avoid. And so then you're going to need to have that support to grieve and, importantly, to be able to ask yourself this question. And again, this is not something I or anyone else could tell you. This is really only, you know, only the individual can, can say, this is too much for me. I need a boundary. Um, but that is the process of being able to really see the impact of what's happening to you and then to be asking yourself that question. What do I have capacity for? And where does the boundary need to be for me so that I'm not experiencing harm? And uh, you know, we are only responsible for one person. Uh, we're responsible for me. Now, we're responsible to each other. I'm responsible to uh, communicate to all of you right now in the best I can, right? That's a responsibility I have in this moment. But the only person I'm responsible for right now or at any point is me. And so when you're having that pain, it's important to remember that the only person I'm responsible for is me. And so if a situation is harming you, if a relationship is harming you, and it's too much, it's okay to do what you need to do to feel safe. 
it's okay. And it will be painful. And it will probably involve loss. And I'm sorry about that. Thank you for the question. Let me see if I understand. Are you talking about um, when we leave abusive situations and other people have left as well, there's a tendency for us to want to talk about it? Yes. Yes, it's okay. You, you can say it's always okay to talk about yourself and your experience. It's always okay for you to say, this is what happened. This is what it was like for me. This is how it impacted me. That's your story. That's yours. Yeah, you get to share that. And it's your responsibility to do that in a setting that's safe, right? That's one of the ways you have to be responsible to take care of yourself. So it would not be safe for you to share your story with just anyone, right? Yeah. So that's your story and you get to share it. And it's your responsibility to have that awareness, um, sometimes through very painful trial and error, of, you know, okay, is it going to be safe for me to share my story? And if it's not, you don't have to. No one's entitled to your story. It's yours. Does that answer the question? Yeah, thank you. Right, and that's just the arm of manipulation and control, trying to like grab you by your shirt as you're walking away, and just shake that off. Just shake that off. Your story is your story. It's yours. Yep. So, another good question from one of my children. So, what about 
the ways that, and I'm just going to say it back so I make sure I understand. What about the ways that we have started to our ex express ourselves, maybe when we're thinking about leaving an abusive situation? So maybe, hey, this is this part of me that I really like and I want to express it and I'm starting to express it. And then that's the thing that ends up resulting in the break in relationship. And then you're saying then, then one might feel really guilty, like, oh no, maybe I shouldn't have been expressing that. Yeah. So that's such a great question. The thing to do is notice that. Wow, I feel this guilt about who I am and how I express myself and the way that these people are reflecting that to me and responding to me and even saying, I can't be in relationship with you because of this. Oh, that's hurting me. That is hurting me. That's something that happened to you. That's not something you did. That's something that happened to you. And so notice that. Oh, wow. That's painful. I didn't do that. That's not my fault. That happened to me. Does that answer the question? Thank you, Aspen. Yeah, <laughs> you have to go celebrate them. <laughs> so uh, j thank you so much for um, all of your wonderful questions and for your attention. I really appreciate it. I feel a lot more relaxed. So thank you. Thank you, Joshua. That was um, that was outstanding. Um, and for those of you who are watching online, there was, um, and those here, you can go back and if you, on our Facebook page and rewatch the whole service. It will be um, automatically posted soon. So thank you again to Joshua. If you have more questions, I imagine that they could ask if, if they stick around. Um, and if you would like to process anything else that came up, um, I'm willing to meet as well. So um, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of today's experience in Neighborhood Church. And thank you. <laughs>